let's make a Presbyterian shout. <clears throat> but since I'm Pentecostal, I won't. I, I, <laughs> I ought to make all of us shout. Yeah, yeah. Hey, take your Bibles. And um, we're glad to see you today. So so appreciative of your presence here. Brent, good to see you all. God bless you. Appreciate you. Um, 2 Kings chapter 13. I've been planning to, uh, matter of fact, I had the message ready for this week, and and the Holy Spirit just really moved on me Friday, and I, uh, I wanted to listen to what the Lord was saying, and and, uh, and this is this is what He gave me for today, and I want to preach on on the subject of what belongs to the next generation, and really what belongs to every generation. 2 Kings chapter 13. Buddy, I promise you I won't stay in 2 Kings as long as it did the last time. promise you. They just started coming to the church and I think I was in 2 Kings when they came and and for a month or so I was in 2 Kings. They thought, don't you ever read anything else? I like to squeeze all the juice out of the lemon though. They're, they're, hey, don't waste anything. Uh, let, let's look at verse 14, and then we will go over to the New Testament and, and read some of Paul's writing to uh, Timothy. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him, and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. Everybody say the laying on of hands is important. We, we jump across a lot of things in the Bible that are so very, very important. And uh, we, we want to look at that subject this morning. And, and he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. And then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice or three times and he stopped or stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him, angry. And he said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Everybody say, passion is important. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but three times. And Elisha died, and they buried him And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. 
And it came to pass as they were burying a man, behold, they spied a band of men. And they cast the man into the sepulchre of Elisha. And when the man was left, and when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Everybody say, wow. Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one. Verses 6 and 7. Paul is writing to the young pastor. He is the pastor of the church at Ephesus. the Probably one of the flagship churches of his day. And he writes to the young preacher. And it's words that every man of God and every child of God ought to take heed to. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance. Paul is saying, Timothy, remember this. Stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the Spirit of fear or timidity or intimidation, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Father, let the Holy Spirit move today in this place in an unabated way. Touch hearts, touch lives. Draw us all closer. Lord, let our hearts be the target of the work of the Spirit today. Lord, I pray for passion. I pray for the love, the, 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 the heart of Jesus Christ. The heart of God that sent Him to the cross, that propelled Him to the will of God, that sent Him to die for the sins of the world. I pray that passion would grip our lives today and that out of that experience, we would walk away from this place more determined to walk with Jesus, to never look back, to be a faithful child of God. Lord, to face the battles of life, to deal and overcome uh, people pressures. And Lord, every kind of issue that the devil may throw our way, I pray, Lord, for passion. I pray today that our hearts would be knit with the heart of Jesus and that we would catch His Spirit. In Christ's name, Amen and Amen. What belongs to this generation and the next generation? I want to talk about three things today uh, in the process of ministering this truth. When Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, that, that whole letter there is, is Paul's last word to the church. And, and this is the last letter 
that we understand that he wrote in the epistles of the New Testament. He is getting ready to give his life. As a matter of fact, in chapter 4, you remember he says, I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready to be poured out like a drink offering before the Lord. Uh, the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I've, I've, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Paul is getting ready to die. He knows that he's leaving this planet, and he wants to leave it without regret. He wants to leave a message of encouragement. He wants to leave a message of passion for the next generation. And I tell you, it's a terrible thing when, when you live selfishly and you hold on to everything that you have and you never give it away. That never was God's intent for any of us uh, in the spirit or in the physical. God intends for us to be givers. From the moment we're born, we need to be giving. And when we come to know Jesus Christ, our heart's cry ought to be to give away all of the things that Christ has poured into us, we pour out on others. I am convinced that why many churches don't have revival, why many churches stagnate, why many churches plateau and even decline, is because that we have lost the passion to give. We have lost the desire to get out in the harvest field. We have taken our eyes off of the things that are most important to God. The things that really are the heartbeat of heaven. I want you to know the harvest field is where God's heart is. The lost is where God's heart is. Missions is where God's heart is. Saving the world is where the heart of God is. And we need to have the heart of God. And I'm telling you, if we don't stay stirred in our spirit, if we don't keep the fire and the passion of Jesus Christ burning in our lives, we'll lose that passion. We'll lose that desire. And we'll move from relationship to religion. We'll move out of a powerful uh, revival into just uh, uh, ritual and carrying on uh, the work of the church. Uh, God wants us to serve Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, and when Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, uh, and thy neighbor as thyself, the first and the second great commandments, uh, He is telling us, if there's anything I want you to do, church, I want you to love me with passion. I want you to be passionate about the things of God. I don't want you to bring me a sick hallelujah. I don't want you to offer me a sick lamb. I don't want altars that are filled with crocodile tears that mean nothing. I want a heart left bleeding. I want a soul left open. I want a heart that's poured out like water on the ground. God, help us to love Him with passion. I tell you, when you, when, you, when you get your heart filled with passion, you can get hurt. When you're passionate about anything, you're going to get hurt. I've, I've, I've lived for the Lord since I was a six-year-old kid. I've been a pastor since I was 20 years old. Don't you know wisdom flowed from that pulpit? Just saying. There is one thing that people will never be able to point their finger at Mike Glover and say is that he wasn't passionate. When, when, I, played, when I played baseball from, from T-shirt league to peewee league to little league to Babe Ruth league to American Legion to college, I, I tell you, I was passionate 
about holding a baseball bat in my hand. I was passionate about carrying a glove out of the field. I was passionate about throwing the ball from third base to first base. I'm telling you, I was passionate about playing football. I, I, I want you to know, I, I ran with everything that was in me. When they gave me the ball, I figured I needed to do my best. I didn't need to drop the ball. I didn't need to fumble. I needed to carry the ball and I needed to make some yards and I needed to be positive and I needed to go forward. I'm telling you, friend, we live in a lackluster day where people are so selfish and so focused on themselves. They've lost the passion of the cross. They've lost the passion of a love for Jesus Christ. They've lost selflessness. They've lost the idea of sacrifice and commitment. Those are two words we don't hear about anymore. But I'm telling you, friend, God is sending a revival. I believe in the last days and he's stirring up a group of people that are going to be passionate heartfelt soul winning devil chasing hating people that 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 love god with all of their heart i'm telling you friend god wants us to be passionate about the things of christ come to church and say oh praise the lord don't insult god give him your best I tell you, when Jesus went to the cross, He gave His best. I'm telling you, we can do no less. Paul tells the young pastor, this is what he says in verse 6. He says, I put this in your remembrance. Everybody say, I'm going to remember this. Stir up the gift of God that is in you. And what that means is, when I laid my hands on you, Timothy, and I ordained you to the ministry, and I set you apart to be the pastor of the church here at Ephesus, when I laid my hands on you, something happened more than just a ritual. There was something imparted to you. There was a gift that was imparted to you. There was something that you received. I'm, I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart in the laying on of hands. Because when we lay on hands in faith, uh, the Holy Spirit takes over and He gives something. The Holy Spirit gives something. Uh, the man doesn't give it, God gives it through the man. And Paul laid his hands uh, on, on, on young Timothy and 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 he was ordained to the ministry and he was set apart with a gifting to preach the gospel. He, he was set apart with an anointing to pastor that church. God gave him all that he needed to do the work of God. And, and Paul says, Timothy, I'm telling you, don't ever forget it. You have a gift in you and you need to keep it stirred up. Don't ever become unpassionate about it. Don't let it die. Stir the fire. The word literally means... Fan the flames. You know, when a fire dies down, what you need to do is, is, is get some kind of poker or a stick or something and you start stirring the coals and the ashes and you, and you move things around and all of a sudden the oxygen gets to the unburnt material and the fire begins to blaze again and then you put some more wood on it uh, and then you build a bigger flame than it was. Uh, I'm telling you, that's the way we ought to be about Jesus uh, is every day we ought to fan the flames. Uh, we ought to pray through every day. We ought to pray in the Spirit every day. Pentecostals, uh, we need to practice the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, if God has filled you and you have a prayer language, uh, you shouldn't pray in it only on Sundays. You ought to pray every day in the Spirit. Uh, you ought to move every day in an anointing of God. Keep the power of God stirred. 
We have too many dead churches. And the reason we have too many dead churches is because we have too many dead preachers and we have too many dead Christians. God help us to fan the flames and to stir the fire until it begins to burn and then it keeps burning. One of the commandments given to the priest in the tabernacle days and then carrying over into the temple days. The fire, listen to it, the fire shall ever be burning. It shall never go out. And that was a command given to the Levites and to the keepers of the house of God. God kindled the first flame God sent the fire on the altar of incense. And it was God's flame. And God says, I want you to be a steward of that flame. I was a young preacher one time and I've lived long enough to become an old preacher. And we're living in a day and an hour when we have people who have forsaken the flame, who have forsaken the office of the priest, who have forsaken their primary responsibility, and that is to keep the fire burning. Don't ever let it go out. We're too busy about pleasing people and making folks happy. We're too busy about building a big building or a building a congregation of people instead of keeping the fire of God burning. I'm telling you, if we'll keep the fire burning, God will take care of the harvest. If we'll do what we're supposed to do, God will do what He's supposed to do. Do you remember... Nadab and Abihu, two of the sons of Aaron, came in to the temple or the tabernacle. And they had been drinking wine. And they were drunk. And they went into the temple to offer sacrifice, whatever in the world for, in that kind of inebriated state. It's proof positive to me that God does not just honor anything. We can't live like the devil Monday through Saturday and expect God to bless us on Sunday. I'm telling you, preachers, if you don't stay in the altar and you don't stay full of the Holy Ghost and you don't stay studied up in the Word of God and prayed through, I'm telling you, and you just live like the world and you're not concerned about the church or the things of Christ and all you are is a hireling and you get into the pulpit and you try to preach on Sunday morning, don't expect the fire to fall. I'm telling you, don't live like the devil on Saturday night and then on Sunday morning, come to the altar and pray for crop failure. That's what a lot of folks do. Sow wild oats all through the week and then on Sunday pray for crop failure. Man, whatever you sow, you shall also reap. I'm telling you, we need passion. We need the fire to burn. Nadab and Abihu were offering, the Bible says they, they offered fire. They burnt incense to the Lord. And, and they mixed they mixed the fire of God that was already burning. You see, that was God's fire. And then they, they mixed their man-made fire with God's fire. And you know what the Bible says? God called it strange fire. 
I want you to know anything that comes from the flesh is strange to God. That's the best preaching I'll ever do in my entire life. That is a word from the Lord for a modern day church. Anything that comes from the flesh is strange to God. The flesh is enmity to the Spirit. The flesh and the Spirit are at odds with each other. They are enemies of each other. They don't flow together. They don't work together. God doesn't operate by the flesh. God operates by the Spirit. Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You shall be witnesses unto me. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I'm telling you today, friend, we need an outpouring of the Spirit. Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire. And the Bible said God was so displeased that He sent holy fire from heaven and consumed them. Burnt their bodies to ashes right there. I'm telling you, there's a lot of strange fire being offered to God. Strange fire is anything that's outside the will of God. If the Word of God doesn't teach it, you don't need to preach it. If the Word of God don't say it, you don't need to live it. Don't listen to everything that comes out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Don't listen to everything that comes out of Tampa, Florida. Don't listen to everything that comes out of Bethel Church. I'm telling you, there are some good things, but there are some things that are full of the flesh. And we need to be so full of discernment in these days and in this hour that we don't offer strange fire to God. We must be passionate about the Word of the Lord. Our society has become sick because too many of us have become unpassionate about the things of Christ. Pulpits all across America are powerless. We preach just anything goes. Just come to our church, pay your tithe, give your money, attend the services and feel good. I'll try my best to make you feel good. And then you just, just go and do it and come back on the next Sunday and we'll do it all over again. I'm telling you, friend, that's not going to cut it with God. We're living in a day and an hour when there is a line drawn in the sand. There is a line of demarcation. It's going to separate the Philadelphian church from the Laodicean church, from the lukewarm church, the passionate and red hot church, Philadelphian church, the lukewarm cold church, uh, Laodicea, the worldly church, Laodicea, and the spirit filled church, the Jesus Christ honoring church, Philadelphia. I've already decided I want to be a Philadelphian church. I want to stay true to the word of God. I'm not going to mix strange fire with God's fire. I don't want to be concerned in the judgment. I want to make the rapture the Bible says because you've been faithful over a few things. He said because you've stayed true to the word of my patience and you hadn't followed after the world. This is what he said to the Philadelphian red hot on fire church that stayed true to the word of God in the last days. He said because you have done this I will keep you out of the hour that is coming upon the earth to try all them that dwell upon the face of the earth. Revelation 3.10 God promises to the Philadelphian church you're going to be the rapture church. You're going to be the church that goes when when I, when I come, when I call my people out of this world, you're going to be the church that goes. But I'm telling you, the Laodicean church doesn't even know that Jesus is not in the building. I'm increased with goods and have need of nothing. That's what they say. And Jesus stood over there and said, you don't know it. You're naked, miserable, wretched, poor, and blind. We're living in a day and an hour. God is looking for passion. God is looking for our best. God is looking for people who will serve Him 
with a stirred up heart and fire. The passion of one generation for another, passion flows from experience. A man with an argument is always prey to the man with an experience. I posted this this morning on my Facebook account. Information can be taught, but inspiration has to be caught. We have to live contagiously for Jesus. I tell you, if we will be inspired by Jesus Christ Himself, there are people all around you who will watch you and they'll look at you and they'll desire to have what you have. Because you are passionate about Jesus. You have caught His Spirit. It is one thing to be taught. It is another thing to be inspired. It is another thing to have caught the Spirit of Jesus. Anointing can be transferred. Paul laid his hands on Timothy. What was on Paul came to Timothy. What Paul had, Timothy received. I'm here to tell you, friend, when our hearts are right with God and we're passionate about Jesus, we can pass the baton of faith confidently from one generation to the next knowing we're not giving it to a haphazard group of people. We're giving it to a people who are full of the Holy Ghost who love Jesus just like we did and are going to serve the Lord God with the same level of faithfulness. God, help us to be passionate about the kingdom of God. Hallelujah! We must be passionate for kingdom work because it flows from Christ's passion. Passion drives the work. If you don't own it and you don't care for it, I ask you this question, who will? If you don't own the work of God and you don't care about the work of God, who will? I'm just telling you, friend, God, while we have breath and we have life and we have strength and we have abilities, whatever they may be, one talent, two talent, or five talent people, doesn't matter. We all stand before God the same way, responsible to use what we have for Christ. We must, we must strike the arrows until deliverance comes. This story that I read to you, and I'll quit because I'm not through. <laughs> I just quit. <laughs> Notice the story. There's a king, Joash. He's wanting to follow after God. He's got a heart for Yahweh. He's already started tearing down the idols and the high places. And he's moved the people back to, to serving the Lord. And, and he hears that Elisha, the great prophet of God, is about to die. And so he goes to Elisha. And he says to the man of God, My father, my father, the horsemen of Israel and the chariots thereof. You know where that came from? Elisha had said that when he saw Elijah taken up at the river Jordan. When the mantle fell and he became the anointed prophet of God walking in a double portion of what Elijah had had. But you see, how did Joash know to say that? He had heard the story. 
he had not been there. What he was doing was mimicking and repeating what he had heard. That's information. Information can be taught. Information can be memorized. You can say the Lord's Prayer all you want to say it. But if you don't understand the experience behind it, it won't help you. Passion drives the Word. Elisha was dying. Joash comes to him and he's wanting a word from the Lord just before he passes away. He, God arranged this, no doubt. And, and Elisha tells him, he says, now, take these arrows and take this bow. And the bow and the arrow represent the anointing and the work of God. Everybody say, I get that. Okay, hold on to that. You got to know how to use the arrows. You got to know how to use the bow. Elisha's word is to take one of the arrows, open the window toward the east, toward the house of God, toward the presence of God. Everything we do in our lives has to be toward God. You see, he didn't turn his back toward Jerusalem. He turned his face toward the house of God. He turned his face toward the holy place. He turned his face toward the presence of God. Everything we do in life, if we're a teacher, if we're a preacher, if we're a lawyer, if we're a factory worker, if we're a wife, if we're a husband, if we're a child, if we're a parent, whatever it is that we do in life, we must do it as unto God. And so he turned his face toward Jerusalem. He took the arrow and the bow and he shot it. And Elisha told him what that meant. He said, you're going to have victory over the Syrians. God is going to help you to consume them in Aphek. And Then he said, how bad do we want Jesus? How much do we want Christ? Do we want Him a little bit? Do we want Him every now and then? Do we want a sometime relationship? Do we want a every now and then anointing? Do we want a once a year revival? Do we want to say, be able to say to our community, boy, if we had church today? Or, or do we want to live every day in the presence of God? Every day consumed by the Spirit of the Lord. Every day experiencing an anointing of God that prepares us and uses us and anoints us. Or are we just, are we just wanting every now and then kind of Moments with Christ. See, this, this is what this is about. Take the arrows. Beat them on the ground. Strike the ground with them, Joash. King Joash, strike the ground with them. And the Bible says he struck the ground three times. And I bet he thought, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. What am I doing this for? And the man of God said, take the arrows and strike the ground with them. Listen, listen. Elisha said to King Joash in anger, and he's speaking out of a heart that is still filled with passion for Yahweh. And he said to the king, Why 
Did you only strike the ground three times? Why did you only hit the ground three times? Now you will only defeat your enemy three times. There, there, the day will come when your enemies will rise up and your passion will not be at a level that you can handle them and you won't have a heart to fight and they're going to overcome you. And it happened just like He said. But He said if you would have struck the ground five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten or eleven or how many ever times every day struck the ground. He said if you'd have done it every time, if you'd have done it more than that, He said you would have consumed them. You would have broken their power. And you would have had complete victory. What's he saying to us? How much do you want God? How passionate are you going to be about Jesus and the kingdom and the church and, and missions and, and the work of God? If it, if you don't own it and you don't concern, if you're not concerned over it, who's going to do it? That's what he's saying. Hit the ground. Keep on. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop. There must be a Noah. What if Noah had stopped in the middle of the building of the ark? There must be a Nehemiah. He didn't quit until the walls were finished. There must be a Moses. Lead them all the way to the promised land. There must be a you. There must be a you. Take the arrows and beat them on the ground until you consume the enemy. Beat the arrows on the ground every day until you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you stay full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody says, boy, I'm just so glad for Pentecost. Listen, you hadn't spoken tongues in 30 years. I'm telling you, friend, you need to get full of the Holy Ghost and stay full of the Holy Ghost. We must be passionate. There is a difference between experience and memorization. We must, instead of just, my father, my father, the horsemen of Israel and the chariot thereof. We, we must have a relationship with Jesus Christ that imparts passion to us. And it's, it's the passion that goes all the way. It's that passion that won't quit. It's that passion that doesn't give up when things get hard. It's that passion that says, it doesn't matter what other folks do, I'm going all the way. It doesn't matter what my friends do, I'm going all the way. It doesn't matter how hard things get, I'm telling him I'm going to climb that mountain. I'm going to walk through that valley. I'm going to cross through that storm-tossed sea. I'm going to walk through that fire. Somebody preach with me a little bit. I'm going all the way. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm going to beat the arrows on the ground. Strike the arrows three times only. How far, how deep, how big, how much, how high do we want to climb? May God give us a can't stop, can't quit, can't give up spirit that will allow us to go forward in every situation and circumstance of life. Everybody say right now, I want the passion of Jesus. Come on, close your eyes with me. We come to the end of this service. I want the passion of Jesus. I, I, I don't want a little bit of God. Come on, I, I'm going to ask you to do something in just a minute. Hold steady. I'm going to ask you to do something in just a minute. 
And, and I want you to think about it and contemplate it. I wish I was 25 again. I'd run all over this building. But I got 65-year-old knees. I said, Pastor, you're 65. Yeah, I'm the best looking 65-year-old you ever saw. You can laugh if you want to. I'll tell you what I am. I am passionate about Jesus. He's the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life. And I love Him more than I love breath. And I want to hear Him say, well done one day. I don't want Him to point His finger at me and say, you didn't do it. You didn't do your best. You didn't, you, you didn't do what I called you to do. You, you weren't faithful. You, you, you were faithful sometimes. You, you were faithful part of the time. I want to hear Him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You never quit. You never gave up. You never stopped. You just kept pressing in. Here we are now at the altar call. Well, every head's bowed, every eye is closed. Real quick before I talk to children of God, if, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to you and He's challenged you to come to Christ. I believe He's challenged you to make peace with God. Pastor, I'm, I'm not a Christian. Or, or maybe you've been a Christian or, and, and you're not living for the Lord right now. You're, you've gotten away from God. You're, you've pushed the Lord aside and other things are more important. Well, I just want to tell you, God's brought you to this place for this moment to help you make peace with Him and to get right with Him and get started again. And we're not here to point fingers at you. We're not here to ask you what you've done and not going to ask you to publicly confess anything. What we're going to ask you to do is simply to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And you can do that by getting up from where you're at and coming kneeling at one of these altars here in the front. Someone will come pray with you. I know they will. We love you and we care about you and we want you to know Jesus just like we do. And the Lord wants to forgive you and He wants to restore you and He wants to make you right. He wants you to be helped of God. And if you're here this morning and you need to do that, I'm waiting just a few seconds. I'm going to let you make this, make the most of this opportunity. Pastor, I want to, I want to get right with the Lord. I want to make peace with God. I, I, I want to let the Lord know where my heart's at. I want to, I want to, I want to give Him everything this morning. I want to start fresh and new with Him. The altar is open for you. If you want to come, take a friend by the hand. I believe they'll walk with you. But let's come and let's get right with the Lord. Anybody? Sweet lady, come and kneel with her. I appreciate. I appreciate these who are coming this morning. Thank you. We applaud you. We we are for you. God is on your side. Jesus loves you so much that He died for you. And He's helping us right now. He's helping us right now. He's putting His arms around us and holding us.
God make us passionate about Christ. Here we are, church. Here's the altar call for the people of God. Do you want more than you have right now? And I'm telling you, friend, I want more than I have right now. And I'm not in a I'm not in a bad place with God at all, but I tell you, I know there's more. There's more. There's more. And God's wanting to move us up closer and higher. And I want to beat the arrows on the ground. How many of you today would say, Pastor, I want to be I want to be that man or woman of God that beats the arrows on the ground every day. I'm not going to beat it just three times and quit. I don't want to be a casual Christian. I don't want a sometime victory. I want to be that person that knows and experiences the glory of God in my life every day. Every day. Full and continuing to be full of the presence of Jesus. Pastor, I want to be passionate about Jesus. I'm passionate about a lot of things, but I want to be passionate more than anything. I want to be passionate about Jesus. And all over this building today, you'd stand as a child of God and lift your hands to the Lord right where you are. We're going to take communion in just a moment. But I want us to pray this through. I want us to tell God we're going to beat the eras. We're going to beat the eras until we get the victory. Until we are not just a sometime on and off, in and out, up and down, hot and cold, circumstantial Christian. We are that child of God that is faithful, faithful, faithful to Jesus every day of our lives. Would you slip your hands up to God right now? You've said it to the Lord by standing. Now just ask Him for that anointing. Father, let the Holy Ghost just fall fresh on every one of us. Lord, make this church a passion of our lives. Make the kingdom the passion of our lives. Make the call of God the passion of our lives. Make our salvation the most important thing in our lives. Jesus! God, I've preached my heart out this morning. God, I've poured my soul to these people. God, help them to catch the passion of Jesus. Information can be taught, but inspiration has to be caught. God, help us to live contagiously. Help us to live for Jesus in such a way that people around us will say, I want that. I want what they have. They're a child of God. You can tell they know Jesus. They've been with the Lord. God, let it be so. Let it be so. Let it be so, Lord Jesus Christ. Fill us with Your Holy Spirit. Would you just say that right now? Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and give us power. Give us power every day. That live for you and serve you and honor you and love you. Jesus. Lord, every day we go through trials. Every day we go through problems. Every day we face a mean world. Every day we, fe- we, we face a contrary devil. But I thank you, Lord. With passion, you love us. And with passion, we can love you. And I want that. I will not quit. I will not stop. I will not give up. Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Give the Lord a good hand. Clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
You can be seated. Our, our serving teams for communion are taking their places and they're going to wait upon you. In the Assemblies of God, we practice open communion, simply meaning you don't have to be a member of our church to receive communion. If you're a child of God, if you're saved, you know you are. We recognize you as part of the body of Christ and we want you to receive the Lord's Supper with us. So if you would, when the, when the elements come by, just take it, hold on to it. And then when everybody's served, we'll receive together in just a few moments. Sing this with me. And oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me. And oh, how Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because He first loved me, and I'll never forsake Him. Would you say it to Jesus?
says before we receive communion Paul said let a man examine himself could we just look into our hearts today and ask God if there's anything in our lives that is displeasing to him our attitudes toward others our attitudes toward God any ill feelings that we might have that are unresolved May we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to make it right and to get it under the blood. Father, just now, as we come to this very serious and wonderful moment in the life of a Christian, the Lord's table, when we celebrate the forgiveness of God, Lord, we just ask today that our hearts would be right with you and with people as we take the Lord's table. Lord, when we eat the bread and drink the cup. I pray that we will have put all things that are wrong in our lives behind us. That, God, we would take out malice and anger and unforgiveness. and That, God, we would just let the love of Jesus sanctify us and purify us today. Lord, we just ask that we would be grateful and thankful and ever live appreciative of the grace of God in our lives. We thank you for the cross and what it means to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says, On the same night in which Jesus was betrayed, the Lord took bread and He blessed it, He broke it, and He gave it to His disciples. And He said to them, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Could we take the bread and hold it up before the Lord? And Brother Brandon, would you ask God's blessing today upon the element of the bread? Let us receive the bread with thanksgiving to God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your broken and bruised body. We praise you that you were nailed to the cross for us and our sins were nailed to the cross. We praise you, Lord, by his stripes. We are healed. 
I hear the Holy Spirit just say right now that as you crush the bread between your teeth, healing is coming into your body. Would you receive it right now? Just, just, just slip your hand up to Jesus. Jesus, as we receive your broken body, an element that represents symbolically your broken body, we receive the healing that you purchased for us. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Hmm. Glory to God. The Bible says, likewise, Jesus took the cup and when he had drank from it, he gave it to his disciples and he said to them, drink ye all of it. For this is the New Testament in my blood, a blood that is shed for the remission of sin. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until He come. Do this in remembrance of me. Praise the Lord. Sister Carolyn, would you ask God to bless you? Jesus. Yes, 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 Jesus. Glory to God. Let us receive the cup with great thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, Lord. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart, it rolled away. It was there by faith. I receive my sight and now I am happy all the day. Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity. At the cross where I first saw the light And the burden of my heart, it rolled away It was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Father, it's been a wonderful time today in the house of God. Thank you for touching our hearts with passion. Everybody say, Lord, thank you for the passion that you've given me today. Holy Spirit, I pray every day we'd wake up so in love with Jesus that there'd be no darkness, no demon, 
no circumstance, no problem that could ever, ever cause us to lose our passion for Christ. Lord, we thank You for loving us like You do. Help us to love You the same way and to love people. Lord, as we leave this place, use us for Your glory. And we give You praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Remember the service tonight at 6. We'll be teaching on Armageddon. Battle of Armageddon.